Before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about a free three-act worksheet to help you structure your story. Whether you're a plotter or a pantser, a novelist or short fiction writer, this three-act worksheet will help you navigate your material and even begin each new story with a better plan. Download yours at nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. Stop getting stuck in the middle of your draft. Go grab this free worksheet, nancypinuccio.com forward slash act. We don't have to necessarily like a character or even be on board with what they do in order to care about them. These are two separate things. But I would take like out of the equation completely because the risk is that by trying to make your character likable, you'll create a character that gives the reader a neutral response. Try instead to make the character understandable. Writer Unleashed is for you, a writer who has a story you want to bring onto the page and into the hearts and minds of readers. I'm Nancy Pinuccio, writer, editor, and writing coach. And each week, we'll explore techniques, mindsets, and inspiration for writing stories readers can't put down. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's begin. In today's episode, I'm answering questions I hear over and over about character development. I see these questions crop up on social media. I see them in Facebook groups. I've gotten them asked in my workshops, and I get these questions in my inbox. So I decided to round up these questions and give you some guidance. I'm covering five questions I get asked a lot. And these are really smart questions. And I'm excited to answer these because character is the heartbeat of your story. Character is the foundation of your story. It's what drives your plot and gives meaning to everything that happens. When you know your character inside and out, it makes all your other story decisions so much easier. And I want to make the process easier for you. So grab your pen and paper, download this episode so you can easily access it. And if you find this episode useful, share it with a fellow writer. Okay, let's get to it. Question number one, what makes a strong, memorable character? Well, when I think of characters, I can't forget the characters that are planted in my mind, even years after I've read the story, they all have an urgent desire. And that desire is pressing upon the story as it moves forward. It's palpable. So there's motivation driving every scene, and it's related to getting closer and closer to reaching their desired goal, despite encountering obstacles. And the desire could be as simple as they want to get home from the dinner party early enough to study for their chemistry final the next morning, but they're obsessive about it. 
So a strong character has an urgent desire and actively pursues that desire despite obstacles. They have an identifiable point of view. And by point of view, I don't mean first or third person. It's how they're plugged into the world of the story. They have a certain view of how the world works, and this influences the way they react to what's happening on the surface level of the story. Now, when I think of characters who aren't strong, who are weak and uninteresting, and who are forgettable, the characters who make me stop reading, it's typically due to a couple of common mistakes. Number one, the story takes place almost completely in the mind of one character. Jerome Stern calls this the bathtub story. So the character is confined to one place or they seem to be disembodied from the real world, from the physical world of the story. So in a bathtub story, the character is thinking about what already happened or what might happen. There's no action, just thought and reflection. So the conflict isn't brought out into the story. It's thought about. But the character doesn't interact with the other characters or interacts barely and with no depth. But he isn't really implicated in his own situation. He doesn't put himself into the fray. Now, character thought and reflection are good to have, but the best stories weave thought and reflection into the action. It can be interspersed into a scene of dialogue, for example. But no matter how fascinating the character's mind is, we want to get out of their mind and into the real world, the tactile world of the story, and we want him or her to interact with that world. Mistake number two is the victim story. In a victim story, everything's happening to the character, but he or she doesn't have any agency. There's no conflict because the character doesn't resist, fight back, speak up for himself, never takes a stand. He doesn't react. Everything is happening to him. He's not an active participant in his own story. Now, Your character may very well be a victim, a victim of bad parenting, a victim of a crime, a victim of an abusive relationship, a victim of circumstance or betrayal. But that doesn't mean the character is passive. This character has agency in how he or she responds and the action he or she takes to get out of that situation or rise above it. Even if it takes this character a while to find the courage, I want to see a character take a stand for what they want. And that's what makes a character fascinating and strong. So rather than think that everything that happens in the story is happening to your character, think that it's happening for your character. So we want a strong character who actively pursues something that matters to him or her. And then the character encounters mounting trouble getting it and transforms in the process. And I love what Doug Glover says. He says, good stories are about obsessive compulsive characters. Failed stories are about passive aggressive characters. So a strong character has an urgent desire, pursues that desire obsessively, 
Despite obstacles from other characters or physical environments, despite social expectations, etc., despite their greatest fears, faulty beliefs, etc., whatever's holding them back. So they come into the story one way, and by the end, they're a completely different person. Okay, on to question number two. I feel like the main character in my novel has no depth. How do I bring her to life? Now, I hear different versions of this question all the time. Sometimes writers start with character traits, and then they don't know where to go from there. They don't know what questions to ask to delve deeper. So we can think of characters having four emotional layers that become revealed over the course of the story. So the first level is the personality. These are the surface traits. It's what your character presents to the world. This is what makes him or her unique. It's the physical makeup. Is he big? Is he handsome? Is she confident? It's the way your character walks and talks. And this is usually the way you'll introduce us to your protagonist. So it's the external persona. It's the public presentation. This is your character's protective shield. It's the mask. We all have this. And over time, your character's more intimate character levels will be exposed. And then we have level two. This is significant history. This is tied to our nuclear family. It's the source of our core beliefs. This is usually the source of our shame, our limiting beliefs, our habituated beliefs, secrets, guilt, and so on. It's the source of the best and worst of us. Now, our family has a profound influence on who we are. We're not even conscious of how much our family impacts the way we think, what we believe about ourselves, and what we believe about how the world works and how we interact in the world. It shapes who we are. Now, every family has secrets, some they never even talk about. Your character is not consciously aware of how profoundly his family has shaped him. So the significant history level is why your character developed that protective shield, the personality, in the first place. And then we have level three. This is the social level. Now, we're all hardwired to survive, and so we instinctively want to be part of the tribe. We depend on social acceptance to survive. We all want human connection. We want validation. Now, your character is influenced by cultural pressures or the time period he or she is living in. There are societal expectations and obligations, etc., Now, your character may be in conflict against his deeper desires and his or her own urge to conform, or your character may be rallying against it. The social level can cause your character to compromise even their deeper desires or even their own morals. So explore that level. And then we have level four. And this is the emotional level. This is the level we have the least control over. Now, the emotional level isn't ruled by logic or reason, and we can't will it into submission. Often the emotional level holds desires and feelings that 
aren't even acceptable to society or your character's conscious psyche. So this level is resistant to moral control. Most people try not to be aware of their emotional level, but it holds the greatest control over us. So this is all for you to explore. Now, not all of it needs to be on the page, but it will be underneath the language. So the purpose of plot is to force your character to confront and overcome his deepest fears, faulty beliefs, etc. Now, for more on how to go deeper into your character, check out episode 94, Three Simple Steps to Deeper Character. Episode 94, Three Simple Steps to Deeper Character. I'll link you up in the show notes. Okay, on to question number three. How can I make readers like slash care for my characters? Well, like and care are two separate things. We don't have to necessarily like a character or even be on board with what they do in order to care about them. These are two separate things. But I would take like out of the equation completely because the risk is that by trying to make your character likable, you'll create a character that gives the reader a neutral response. Try instead to make the character understandable Because the goal always is to create multi-dimensional characters who feel like real human beings, because we can relate to them. We see parts of ourselves in these characters, and it doesn't matter where in the world they live, whether they're male or female, a kid or an adult, a vampire or a wizard. It just means they have desires and deep-seated fears like we all do. The goal isn't really to make them likable as much as it is to make them feel real to the reader. We just need to understand them. We need to recognize a part of ourselves in your characters. So what makes us care? Well, for me, it's always imperfection. I can relate to that. So you know those friends you have on Facebook who are presenting this perfect life in their feed. So they have pictures of their beautiful living room, their resplendent backyard pool, their trips to Europe, their kids who are always impeccably dressed, their star students, athletes, they excel in ballet, all of that. Now, do you care about them? Probably not. In fact, you probably feel disconnected from them. And then you have friends who are just honest about what's going on with them. They're honest about their imperfect life. I have a friend on Facebook who's a professional drummer. He tours all over the world. And a few months back, he shared that he'd been invited to audition for a television show to be part of the band. He couldn't name the show, it was confidential, but I'm guessing it was Saturday Night Live or one of the late night talk shows. And he kept us updated every step of the way. It was a long process. So he went to the initial audition. A few months later, he got a call back. And he went back, it went well. A few months later, he was called back. So it was looking pretty good, but he didn't want to get his hopes up 
He was keeping himself in check so he wouldn't be disappointed. But then he got into the final round of auditions. Again, he was keeping his hopes in check. Ultimately, he didn't get it. He shared his entire journey on his Facebook feed. Now, often we talk about making characters sympathetic or vulnerable, but vulnerability is not bearing all your emotions. It's not oversharing. It's just being truthful. So I've never auditioned to be on a band on a TV show. I've never auditioned for anything. But I understand his reined-in hope that he'd get the gig and his disappointment in ultimately not being chosen. And all of this is going to mix with the sense of accomplishment that he even made it that far. So I couldn't relate to his specific situation, but I did understand how he felt. So regardless of what your character's surface problems are, we can always relate to his or her story problems. So don't focus on making a character likable. Focus on helping us understand their human dilemma. We care for flawed, complex human beings. And that starts with you. Empathy is feeling with a character. It's different from sympathy, which is feeling for a character. One way to help us care is to find the part of the character that is you. You want to find part of the character that you can identify with. And if you can find that part of the character that you identify with, we'll care. Because ultimately, the only way to reach our emotions is to use yours. Question number four. How do you decide whether or not to eliminate a character from a story? Well, often writers crowd their story with too many characters, and that's just part of the exploratory process. We're always finding our way through our material, but during the revision process, we have to start to really be relentless about cutting what's not serving the story. So how do you know who to eliminate? Well, most of the time, characters are just not necessary to the story. Sometimes a writer will introduce a group of characters in their first few pages or their first chapter, and then they won't mention them again. Or they might mention them, but it's so much later in the story, and the earlier introduction isn't specific or impactful enough for us to remember them, and they don't reappear in the main character's thoughts either. But the easiest way to decide is this. Ask yourself, does this character spin the plot, your main character's life, in a surprising or upsetting, unsettling direction that your main character doesn't want? Does this character complicate life for your character vis-a-vis what they want to achieve by the end of the story? How does this character reveal something essential about your main character? What's their role? Is this character a mentor or antagonist? Or are they a representation of the shadow side of your character, the side of your character that he rejects? You never want superfluous characters, but you need to know who your story is about. You need to know who your main character is inside and out. 
So you need to know your character's desires, fears, etc. Because even a minor character with a brief or late introduction plays an essential role. What you don't want is any character who's in the story simply because he or she would have been there. You don't want anyone who's incidental. So look at characters who serve the same role or purpose in the story. Look at characters who kind of share the same traits. Can you make one character a composite of many? Okay, on to question number five. What is the proper way to write my character's thoughts? I've been using italics. Is that okay? There's no reason to italicize your character's thoughts. The only time I do that is to show writers I work with how character thought is woven into the action. Character thought is action, and your character should be thinking his or her way through the story. Character thought doesn't call attention to itself. It should feel like part of the story's fabric. It should feel integrated, pretty much the way our thoughts work in any given moment. So pay attention to that. In any given moment, we're always straddling what happened before with what's happening now and with what we hope to happen in the future. Our feet aren't usually planted firmly in one or the other. There's this necessary dance between past, present, and future. Thought is what knits the story together. The story is always making connections with itself through character thought. Characters ideally are always connecting events in their own heads so that the reader can remember earlier story events and see the connection. So each chapter, event, or scene has some memory of or reference to what happened earlier. So every step forward has a little glance back and a look forward to what's coming next, vis-a-vis what this character plans to do. So there's a pattern, and you can look for this in any story you read. Seriously, take any book off your shelf and see how character thought makes those connections. So let's say a chapter opens. There will be just a tiny bit of backfill to remind us what happened in the previous chapter. So it's connecting the previous chapter with the present chapter. We'll get a sense of what the character wants to get out of the coming scene or series of scenes. So he's grounded in the present. And then at the end of the scene or the end of the chapter, we'll get some idea of what this character wants to do next. And it might be as simple as he decides which direction he's going to point his feet next. It might be that he kisses the girl. So in a lot of ways, the main character is guiding the reader on how to read the story. So there's a growing awareness of what's happening. So a character in every scene is thinking three things as it unfolds. He's thinking about what just happened. He's thinking about what's happening now. And he's thinking about what he's going to do next. And it's all connected to what he wants to get out of the scene. And what he wants to get out of the scene is connected to what he wants to get by the end of the story. So character thought helps knit the action together. It gives your story continuity. It reminds the reader what happened earlier, and it establishes motive in the present scene. 
and it leads logically into what's going to happen next. That's really what we mean by cause and effect. Cause and effect is not this happened and so this next thing happened and so on. It's all motivated by character. Now, for more on character thought, go listen to episode 69, How to Create Plot Continuity with Character Thought. I'll link in the show notes. But the reader should never be aware that the character is thinking something. Ideally, it will be folded seamlessly into the action. You don't want to call it out with italics because that can yank your reader straight out of the story. So there you have it. My answers to five questions about character development I hear most often. I hope this episode helps you build characters with more depth and complexity and brings your character to vivid life on the page. I know that writing stories can sometimes feel like a long and arduous process. So my hope is that this episode will make the process less daunting and more fascinating. Now, if you haven't already, download my free character questionnaire, nancypinuccio.com forward slash character. This PDF has 13 questions you can ask your character to help you go deeper into the soul of your character, deeper into what your character wants and why he wants it and what will happen if he doesn't get it and so much more. Download yours over at nancypinuccio.com forward slash character. As always, thanks for spending some time with me today and I'll talk to you soon.